every week our good friend Chris Landry. Chris, good afternoon. How's everything going? Good afternoon. I almost drafted Anthony back. Yeah? Yeah, back in the day. I don't even know if he knows that because you don't, you don't know if you're almost drafted. You just know if you were drafted. We we uh, we discussed him pretty heavily. And who were you with at the time? I'm sorry? We were with uh, Tennessee. Wow, pick, we're going to let him know. Did, what pick did you have? Oh, now you're trusting my scatterbrain mind. We had we were we were kind of late. We kind of were looking at it. Um, we were and we we're in range. We could have we could have had them. We went uh, different. I'm trying to remember exactly what year. I think it was in the the 20s, 24s, 25s, 26s. If uh, my memory serves me right. Now tell me, what did you like about Anthony's game? Because I'm going to play him this really, later on. Really good blocker. Um, good hands. Thought he would really be a good fit for our offense. And he was just he's one of many guys that, that we were considering at that spot. The other thing that we really liked, we had lost a key offensive tackle, and I thought he could really help. He was very underrated as a blocker. I well, thought, you know, in many of the guys that are not good two-way players, uh, he was a very good player. So we, we loved him out of West Virginia. And, you know, um, anyway, you know, that's that's uh, there's so many of those stories of guys you wanted to draft. It's not recruiting. You know, you can only got one and, and you miss out on some others. But anyway, post- when you said the name, it just did come to my mind. What, a, po- good, what a good player. Post-career, uh, great guy as well, and great beard game. Fun fact about Anthony Beck, great beard. Oh, great. See, I didn't know that. <laughs> it wasn't in my scouting report back then. That, that's, that's something – that would have had to come later, but uh, yeah, I remember, remember that. Of course, went to West Virginia just about every year, but uh, yeah, remember him fondly. Hey, Adam Schefter reported this morning that the Buccaneers are in talks with uh, apparently at least three teams, at least that's the report, to potentially trade down or even maybe even out of for the first round. If that is their goal tomorrow night, sitting at 19, they're in a pretty good spot to do that, right? Well, if I, if I could kind of add something, first of all, it's, it's not their goal. I mean, here's what you have to understand. If you're sitting there at 19, you have to be prepared if you're the Bucks that you, you do not have enough players with first-round grades that you think one is going to fall to you. Now, history says one of them will, or two, maybe even three. But you have to prepare yourself that they're all gone. So what you do through phone conversations, as well as putting something out to the media, to send the word out that... We're open for business. This pick is for sale if you want to come up. If you're later in the first round and you want to come up. If you're in the second round, by the way, don't rule us out. We might consider moving there. And the reason is once their first-round grady players are picked, if they're off the board, then they would be in a position to move back. Five spots, ten spots, maybe as many as 15, 18 spots, and still get the same player in their same grade plateau and get more picks. So what they're trying to do is make that word known. That's what you're supposed to do, and most people are doing it right now. If you're on the clock at 19 and you've got a guy that's you've graded highly as a high to mid-first rounder and he's the ninth player on your board, well, you're not trading and you're, you're taking yeah. the player. But you, you have to kind of – now is the time where you try to, to call that. It's like somebody just reported – well the well the Browns have talked to five people in the in the in the top ten about moving their picks. No, they're gonna talk to everybody from two to eleven. Yeah. That, that's not that's not news. That's like saying the sun came up today. Oh, it's uh, it, you know it's it's not new. Of course you're gonna do that. You have to call everyone because if you're considering moving up, then you at least want to touch base with people. It doesn't mean you've 
quote-unquote made a deal. You're putting the parameters together, getting a feel who might be interested. And and the way you do it is you, you keep open because you don't know who's going to be there. Unless you're Cleveland at one, you don't know with 100% certainty who's going to be on the board. Yeah, and with so, that, with that yeah. being said, though, if a trade is going to go down, Bucks fans probably shouldn't expect to see it until they're on the clock because teams are going to wait to pull the trigger to see Absolutely. if the there. When, well, the Bucks are going to wait because they. I mean, you know, if now listen, if it comes down to pick sixteen and seventeen, and you know they and the boards pick clean, they will have it in their minds and they'll see it even further. They'll start making calls, for example, you know, two or three picks before to try to get somebody a deal done. And what they'll do is they'll get a contingency deal done. Somebody who's let's you know, I don't know. I mean, just pick a team, twenty-seven. That, that wants to move up to 19. All right, look, this is what we're thinking we'll do it. And, and of course, 27, uh, I think it's like the Chiefs. Uh, they're not going to do the deal until the, the Bucks are on the clock to make sure that their player is there. So, you know, again, somebody else's player may be there, and so that may be the incentive for somebody wanting to move up. But, you know, it doesn't mean that they're, you know, necessarily giving up on a player who's going to be there. It's just that they – and they should feel this way, that there's a good chance that their first-round grading players are going to be picked clean and off the board. So you prepare for that scenario. You don't sit there and do the opposite, think one's going to fall, and then not be prepared. You have to prepare now. Uh, prepare for the worst. Hope for the best. I, my sense is there'll probably be a player or two, maybe even three, that is still relatively high on their board that they will take. You also have to be prepared, by the way, to – pick at 19 because if no one wants to move up or you just really uh, it's not worth it and you know you only got say four guys on your board that you'd consider wanting to go down just a little bit for then you have an issue so I, I think what they're clearly saying is there's a drop on their board like on most people's and they're preparing for those guys to be off the board and trying to make those contingency plans chris landry from landryfootball.com joins us i'll tell you what if you really want to know what's going on with the players who are going to get drafted tomorrow night, today would be a good time to go to LandryFootball.com and get signed up. Chris, I know you've had to deal with this during your time in the NFL. How intense are those negotiations when you're trying to make a deal and the clock is involved? You know, it's not that bad. First yeah. of all, you you you, tried, you you do the preliminary work, some of it now. And then, as I mentioned, you can kind of get a feel. If you're sitting there, again, we'll use the Bucks example. If you're sitting there at 19, you know, you start making calls a little before with the idea that, hey, we might want to move up. Or, hey, do you guys want to move up? And, and look, uh, if our guy's not there, we might want to bail out of this pick. And you kind of do the parameters of a deal. you got more time than just the time you're on the clock, in other words, to do the deal. And then, you know, just the deal is off if your guy's on the board. But, you know, you do that, and – Look, it's pretty simple. I put something on LandryFootball.com that everybody goes off of these draft charts now. The draft charts are really not accurate. They're not, unless you update them every year and unless you take the points off of a draft chart and marry it with your draft board and the 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 grades that go along with the, the picks, you know, picks don't mean anything. It's the players that you get with the picks. That kind of determines the value. So you pretty much know going in that, you know, the Browns will know if they're going to if they're going to move up from three spots from 12, it's going to cost them both of their second-round picks. And both people know it. So um, you, you, if you go in and you don't get the deal, you, you can 
make the offer and say, I'm, I'm going to give you a two and a three. No, no, we got to go with a two and two. And you got to be ready to say yeah or nay. Uh, it's not that it's not like a contract negotiation. Deadlines uh, always spur movement. So the deadlines are pretty quick when you're on the clock to get yeah. to say yeah or nay. And I never here's what I, here was my rule. Never it once we got. You know, a minute and 30 seconds left on the clock. That's it. Don't have a deal done. You know. Don't mess with me. I'm hanging up on you. You're done. It's over. You know, I'm not. I'm not taking it down to that. We get it done. We do it. Don't you? None of this. Which, no. That's it. Done. We're moving on. I'm handing the card in. Just that's the way to make sure that you don't get caught like the Vikings did back to back years several years ago. That was amazing. They get jumped. Yeah. That was unbelievable. Green Bay Bob joining us right now. I know he's got a question or two for you, Chris. Green Bay Bob. Good afternoon. Thanks for calling in, man. How you doing, Pat? How you doing, Aaron? We're well. Hey, Bob. Hey, I love to jump around uh, <laughs> at home going to Wisconsin games. But uh, Anyway, uh, how you doing, Chris? Hey, Bob, how are you? Very good. Well, you sort of stole my thunder because I wanted to ask you to talk about that uh, trade chart article you wrote on your site, which was fantastic. And I'm glad you got to that. Um, but I guess my other question is, you know, it seems like every time the draft rolls around the week before, a couple weeks before, you know, the media will alert everybody that, such and such had, you know, um, you know, tested positive or whatever the case may be, or diluted sample like with Reuben Foster and uh, Jabril Peppers. But everybody in the NFL already knows that, right? All the the teams already knew had that information. It's just that now the public is finding out about it, which really mm-hmm. doesn't make any difference because the teams know, right? The teams know, uh, but putting it out publicly, um, it creates some issues. Like for example. You know, there's, you know, issues uh, with your Wisconsin boy, Ryan Ramchek, with his, with his hip and his problems, and you'll see that being thrown out there. Oh, boy, that hip's a lot. And he's got some other issues. You see that being thrown out there. Well, a lot of it is, hey, you hope you can benefit from a guy tumbling a little bit. So, uh, yes, the reason why it gets released late is a little dirty pool, uh, but it gets out there, and somebody – well, like you said, the teams may be aware of that, but it's the other stuff that comes out that is maybe you could smell that it's the timing of it to kind of maybe scare people out of it. And then there's things that you just you can't control, like the Gary and Connolly situation. I mean, it happened right. or it didn't happen, but it was the case. The worst we've ever I've ever seen in 30 years happened a couple of years ago with Lyle Collins. I mean, he had an right. ex-girlfriend that was murdered. He had nothing to do with it. He was not a suspect ever, but he was questioned just because, you know, he was a former boyfriend of the girl, and they just wanted to try to, the police did, want to get some information. But no, but it came out, and, and no one thought he was guilty, but you can't know that for sure. You don't know. You're not in people's homes. You, you don't know what can happen. I mean, do we really know what our neighbor's up to behind the clothes? We don't know, and, and that just, that guy dropped the entire draft as we all know so um there's there's a look there's a reason why the, and there's going to be a couple of more today or tomorrow you can book it N- hopefully nothing tragic like this but it's going to be something about somebody that all oh, this or that is this guy's intelligence this guy's medically this guy's character this it's it's all a little bit of a game and it's basically using the media to put it out i mean this is what it's 
all about. I mean, you don't think like, you know, we started off, the guys started off reporting where Schefter said this. Well, they're, they're telling Schefter that for a reason. They want, well, we talked to five teams. We do, well, you know, the Browns won on air, we talked to five. That's a, that's a nod that, hey, you know, the other teams, we want to talk to you and, you know, we don't, you know, we want to create a, a, a smokescreen of what we're thinking and what we're doing and yada, yada, yada. And, the, and people are getting information from other teams. And one, the one I like a lot is, well, people around the league believe that Cleveland are <laughs> like, like they know what's going on in Cleveland's room or like what Cleveland knows what's going on in San Francisco's room. But right. it creates a lot of that where, listen, it might work. You know, if, if can you imagine if Mitch Trubisky is the Browns guy, do you realize how stupid that is to let that out of your building, that that's who you want, and then possibly force yourself to have to go all the way from 12 to 2 or 3 because somebody is putting out, including the Niners, that, well, we like Trubisky too when they're not going to take him. But you see what I'm saying? You you never right. want to let stuff off your building unless it's a lie. <laughs> I hate yep. to say it that way, but that's the truth. Well, you, you wrote an article about a week ago about what happened to the Packers in 1990 with the Emmett Smith draft where mm-hmm. everybody in the mother knew the Packers were picking a running back and they were focused on Emmett. Cowboys traded up, got ahead of the Packers, picked Emmett, and Packers ended up with a, a back who did nothing. So, That's right. Anyway, yeah. well, listen, I know the guys have a lot of questions for you. Hey, but thank you, man. your input. Appreciate All right, man. It. Thanks thank for calling you. in, Bob. Always fun to talk to you. Appreciate that, Bob. Have a great rest of the week, bud. All right, Chris, uh, we all know analytics, it's becoming a big mm-hmm. part of all sports, not just football, but all sports. Considering the numbers behind how much of a crapshoot the drafts are, I mean, could you see teams trading up less often, or will teams always just be falling in love with guys? No, here, here's the thing. Here, let's go back to, like, draft charts and whatnot. For example, you know, when you when you equate points to a pick, let's say you take, you know, 1 through 10. You know, well, then norm, a normal chart would be that the 11th pick would be a little less than the 10th pick, would be a little less than the 9th pick, so on and so forth. Well, you have to marry that with the players you got graded. So to answer your question, everything is how you grade a player. What if you got a cutoff after the top two, and then you've got a group of like eight players, and then there's another drop-off? Well, then the second pick is going to be much more valuable than the third pick. You know, then yeah. whereas a generic chart might say one thing. Well, in this draft, it's – I mean, it's like if I tell you, do you think the number one pick in this year's draft – is worth the same thing as the number one pick when Andrew Luck came out? No. Of course not. Yeah. You know, it's, you're going to get a different player. So you have to factor that in. So to answer your question, if you think a player is of value, then, you know, it's you can't just go by the chart and say you paid too much. You want them, you go get them. Give you an example. We wanted Javon Curse in 99. We had them in the top three players on our board. Smart. We're picking 16th. There's no way he's fallen to 16 in our eyes. We tried to call and call and call and I called and I called and we couldn't we couldn't get anybody to move up. So we're sitting there and he's dropping, he's dropping. The Bucks are picking at 15. I offered Richard McKay a third round pick just to move up one spot. Well, wait a minute, that chart, I don't give the darn with the chart. We wanted Javon Curse, and we knew somebody, mainly Minnesota, was moving ahead. Rich said, no, we're going to stay and take our guy, and we're good. And, and so being that they're on the clock now and on Rich, I said, okay, 
hey, look, can you can you since we're since you're gonna take, can you tell me who you're gonna take? And he said, yeah, we're gonna take Booger McFarland. I said, oh, thanks. I hung the thing up so fast I could, you know, because he <laughs> fell in our lap. Javon fell in our lap at 16. The point is, is yeah, I would have paid more for the third pick and a little less for the fifth, but I was going to get my guy. We just couldn't get anybody that wanted to do a deal, and we were offering a lot, by the way, because he meant a difference, and, and obviously we don't go to the Super Bowl if, if it wasn't, um, you know, for him. I mean, he was a big part of it. So you got to know you you got to know what you're going on for, and same thing. If you're sitting there at, at 19 and, and your board's picked clean, and you think you should get, you know, X as a, as a, you know, as a, as a uh, return on, on trading down. Well, okay, that's fine. If you think it's worth a fourth round pick to move up a certain uh, amount of spots down a, a certain uh, few spots, but, but if you're going to get the same player moving down six spots as you would there, then you know, take a fifth instead of a fourth. Get something instead of taking the same player five spots down it just makes sense so get the best deal you can but i always didn't use the points i used previous trades and i tried to equate okay how badly do i want this guy or you know how willing am i am, am i to move down you gotta factor that in and i think you know if you do that you're gonna be fine chris for me regardless of what season or what running back is available I've always been a proponent of, in the first round, looking at positions of, of value like left tackle and, and defensive end and corner, especially because even when a running back is good, you just don't know if you're going to get a longevity out of them. Uh, what is your take on taking a running back high or even in the first round because of that factor? Well, I think it's it's a fair point. It's the We kind of look at running backs as a one-contract player now. So there is some validity to that, but you can kind of talk yourself out of that. For for example, do you look at Jonathan Allen as a as a one contract player because of his shoulders? You don't know. I mean, you can talk yourself out of it. Look, I talked myself out of Curtis Martin, and I said let's let's wait to the next round to get him. Um, we we're going to take him. I was going to take him in a third. And I said let's because Curtis lived in the wait in the um, in the training room at Pitt. And I said, I, you know, durability, I just, you know, I, I got to wait another round. And I took another player who worked out very well, but I thought I was going to get him in the in the uh, fourth round, and, and I didn't. Um, <laughs> son of a gun never was injured <laughs> his entire career. So, I, you know, you don't know. I, I, I think, listen, if you can get – I'll tell you this. Dallas is pretty happy with the pick that they made. If you get an elite back – Here's where I think people miss. Oh, you can get backs anywhere. No, no. Elite backs, you can't get anywhere. They're as valuable as anybody else. But a lot of backs are not elite, and there are a lot of good ones out there. So if you're talking about good backs, yeah, they're plentiful, and you can find them. Your point about if you know quarterbacks, pass rushers, left tackles, corners, Guys that make a difference, guys that score touchdowns or prevent you from scoring touchdowns, that's the elite positions. But here's the key, guys. They have to be graded as good enough at those positions. You don't just take any left tackle or any pass rusher because they're not good enough. What have you done? You've passed over a much better player, even though it may not be at the most impactful position you're still a better football team. And that differs a little bit. You guys know that, you know, when, when Tony Dungy was here and the crew, 
corners, you weren't going to take corners high. Cover two corners are not, as they would take high, they greater emphasis on other spots. So there is some variances to that. But to your point, that is the order of how you stack your board. If all else is equal, you're going to take the quarterback, pass rusher, you know, in that order. But you have to make sure that you're not falsely putting them there because of the position they play, and they may be lacking an ability to perform at that position. How many of the backs in this draft do you view as, as elite backs? I think Fournette. McCaffrey and Cook are. Yeah. I've got concerns about Cook. Cook has got he he's a double shield guy. Character, medical. Um, that factors into your durability questions even more for a guy like Dalvin. You got the character issue. You know, he's got fumbleitis. You know, I think I can fix that with, with how he handles the football, but but I've you know, I've got I'd I'd have concerns about him. That's where I think he maybe slips some but I still think he's an absolute first-round talent. Chris, where do you think the Bucks need to improve the most? Well, I think that they're, the needs you know, are pretty obvious, but to me, I think that you can't go wrong when you're talking about getting impact players. To me, adding another pass rusher, adding a guy in the secondary, certainly running back or, or needs. But to your point, I mean, look, you got – you got some backs. You've got some options. I think you need to go early if you're there at 19. Again, we discussed this, but an elite player there, you take them, and I think they'll fit into one of those neat spots. But I think if the elite players are off the board, I, I think there are a number of ways that you can go about getting your team better with, with high-level players. But pass rusher, um, you know, I think adding improvement in the secondary, uh, in my opinion, another corner. Um, another back, all things. I'd like to add another receiver. Those are areas that are the the premium for me. Uh, Bucks fans, a lot of them seem to think that the Bucks should improve at left tackle. I'm not sure that they really can. When you look at the guys in this draft, Cam Robinson, Garrett Bowles, or Ryan Ramchek, who you talked a little bit about earlier, are any of those guys, in your opinion, an immediate upgrade over Donovan Smith? I agree about the left tackle, uh, and I agree that, no, none of these guys would be the left tackles that I would say. You know, Cam Robinson's a right tackle guy. Like him, um, and he's a good player. You just have to be prepared that he's not going to be the ideal left tackle. Ramchick's got some medical issues, um, got some potential. I like him. Uh, I, I would not be as comfortable with Garrett Bowles. I worry about his mental toughness and his age. Uh, I love Deion Dawkins, but he's a right tackle guy. Um, you know, I, I would absolutely consider somebody like Roderick Johnson, you know, in the second if he were there. But first round, I, I just uh, I don't see the value being there. Although you can make a case that, hey, Cam is going to be a really good player, difference-making type player, uh, and is a right tackle and, and be happy with that. But I think you have to do it going in. If you think he's going to be your answer at left tackle long range, I think you're making a mistake. Chris, i got to talk to you about Marlon Mack. I mean, we've talked about him. Yes. He, he's a great back, but this is a very deep class. Do you think he might even sneak into the back half of the second round? It's possible. We have to see where the run on the backs are going to go. For example, if we see those three backs that I talked about going the first then, you know, certainly the storyline, one of them is going to be Joe Mixon. You can make the case, depending upon people's view of Alvin Kamara and Dante Foreman, who are a little bit different, you can make the case that Moreland Mack is as good as the rest of those guys and could go in the second. But so could Kareem Hunt and Matthew Days of North Carolina State. So there again, you've got, I think, three of those guys 
that could kind of sip into the second round, maybe more high third round value. So, again, when you start seeing guys that maybe are high third round and you're sitting there mid third round, you could see somebody mid or late second round making a move on him. I, I like him a lot. I think he'd represent really good value. And, you know, somebody that if you're looking at the Bucks and, and trying to trying to figure this out, if, if there's a good pass rusher available, uh, a, a maybe a good playmaker in the secondary that's there at 19 and they want to stay at that pick and take it, then they've got a chance to come back and get a player like Mac a little bit later that could fill a couple of spots. But, um, you know, who knows? I mean, uh, there's, again, we don't know who's going to be there, but th- there are a couple of options that they can go with. And, you know, I'm sure Dalvin Cook would be one of the guys under consideration if he were on the board at 19. Speaking of great value, talk about what people can get right now at Landry.com, LandryFootball.com, of course, that is, leading into the draft. And then I know the rest of the offseason and through next season, sure. a lot of information. Well, we, certainly we've talked about for weeks. We've got all the draft boards, all the scouting reports up. We've got all the take you inside each team's war room and kind of what they've done this offseason, where things might go. We are keeping a running update of the latest scoop that we're hearing around NFL draft from. So we got that up in our notebooks right now. And then, of course, uh, as you mentioned, the draft comes in. We're going to break down every pick and every player that your team picks. We're going to analyze and break it down for you. And then, yeah, after the draft's over, we'll recap, kind of reassess everybody's roster, just like it's done in an NFL personnel department. And then, folks, we, we start evaluating and putting together college reports as the college season and the NFL season is going to be fast upon us, and it takes a lot of time. So it, there is no off season. We will break it down for you, keep you up-to-date on everything uh, post-draft, and then obviously take you through all the next football season to next year at this time. Uh, and we got the discount code to NFL Draft. That's good through, um, you know, through this uh, weekend through the NFL draft um, and you use the code NFL draft and that'll get you 50% off and it's good for a year. So take advantage of it right now. You get to the football season, you're going to want it. You'll have it and you'll have it at a discount. So we encourage you to take advantage of it. Chris, always appreciate your hey, time. Thanks guys. Enjoy it. And thanks, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy right, the talk draft. To you soon. You bet, bud. All right.